Welcome to Reach for the Pod, the Indiana Daily Students, Indiana Hoosiers football podcast. I am your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington in our IDS studios, brand new, uh, built here in our offices, beautiful new setup. I'm sure you can tell with this crisp, clean audio quality. Heck of a lot better than it used to be, you know, recording on my computer through Zoom. So uh, definitely an upgrade and uh, glad to have it. Glad to record here in person again. Uh, it feels good. Uh, what doesn't feel good if you're a fan of the Indiana football team, is everything. Just about everything. So uh, after another loss this week, heartbreaker at Maryland, 38-35, final score in College Park. Uh, Indiana this week facing the Michigan Wolverines on the road, a Michigan team coming off a loss to Michigan State, but still ranked in the top 10, seventh in the college football playoff poll, which came out yesterday at the time of this recording. Going to be another big game this week. Uh, the bull hopes are... All but dashed. I would say they are on life support at this point. They are 2-6. and six. And here to break everything down with me first, uh, one of our football reporters here, both of them actually here, uh, first joining me, it's Evan Gerke. Evan, making your debut on this season of the podcast. Uh, certainly different feeling than the last time you were here. Uh, how's it going? Yeah, it's going well. This is this is the first time back since we started um, in the spring when we were in the studio, but now it's been all renovated. It's all fancy. I've got headphones. It's this beautiful, year. isn't it? It's very nice. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. Uh, I wish I had more exciting stuff to talk about with the football team. We were very hopeful back in in April. No kidding. <laughs> our hopes have definitely been dashed a little bit from from being up in that press box every week. It's not been ideal, but I am happy to be here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for coming on and joining me across the table from me. Looking at him here, Mr. L. C. Norton. How are you doing today? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. How about you? I'm doing great myself. Uh, always good to be in this. I, I've said it a billion times, but this this studio, man, I I can't get over it. This is this is the coolest. We've got fun green lights. Yes, those little mirror school LED banners. Lights, LED lights that change colors. We, uh, maybe sick. eventually these these pin boards will get decorated. I'm really trying to paint a picture for the audience as mm -hmm. I would do with my. You know writing. what is the best part of this room? Sharing it with the two of you. Why? Thank you. Thank you very much. And I think that's the best part of this podcast, too. So uh, thank you guys both for coming on. Uh, I think before we you know talk about what's next for this team and what's next is, I think, bleak, uh, just to, to be blunt about it. We have to talk about what happened this week in College Park, Maryland. Uh, Indiana goes on the road, loses to a Maryland team they hadn't lost to in four years. Um, not a whole lot, a lot of good streaks like that for Indiana where they go four years without losing to a conference foe, a division foe. Um, but that was a streak, and that streak was snapped. So definitely a different-looking team than the one we thought we would see You know, back in April the last time Evan was on this show. Uh, and a different-looking team than the team we thought we would see even two weeks ago. You know, Donovan McCauley, quarterback, comes in. Really, he's a fourth or a fifth-string guy, depending on you know what you think. Maybe third or fourth, maybe, uh, depending on what would happen with Dexter Williams had he not torn his ACL in spring practice. Uh Needless to say, he was not expected to be playing any snaps this season, even though he was a really highly rated recruit, a four-star out of Lawrence North High School in the north side of Indianapolis. But he came in, and he played some exceptional football. Now, Luke, Elsie, I thought you had some good stats on just how well McCulley played. Um, what were those numbers again? Because I, you read them to me earlier, and it, it was really stark just how much better he played than I think anybody expected, and really compared to other quarterbacks we've seen this season to Michael Penix Jr. and to Jack Tuttle felt like he was a better quarterback well you know one of the th interesting things that they threw in there was um they didn't use a lot of play action when Jack Tuttle was a starter against Michigan State but against Maryland for McCulley they kind of mixed it was about even on when they called play action when they just did not call play action but 50-50 on either end he had pretty similar stat lines um 
He was a, had a bit higher completion percentage, like 61.5 with play action, 56% overall. But then when you looked at his completion percentage on throws, 10 to 19 yards beyond line of scrimmage, 80%. That's pretty That's good stark. for a freshman making his first ever start on a, in a Big Ten road game. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, my, my biggest takeaway is that he was prepared. He was absolutely prepared for this moment. Um, and, and that showed in, in the way he played. He was confident. He was collected. And there were some moments where it looked like the offensive staff didn't trust him fully. You know, some third downs, some fourth downs, and stuff like that. But for the most part, felt like they opened up the offense for him, you know, pr- pretty extensively. Well, I mean, I, I thought after last week uh, watching him against Ohio State, it, it felt to me like he wasn't prepared at all. It felt like Tom Allen didn't right. think he was repa- prepared. And part of that is he is playing Ohio State. Ohio State and Maryland are two totally different teams. McCauley's going to be seeing something a little bit closer to Mich- or to Ohio State when he faces Michigan this weekend. But the fact that he was able to kind of do anything in a Big Ten start as a freshman is really pretty impressive. He looked a lot more collected in the pocket. He was taking shots down the field. Not all of them were able to connect. But he looked like an actual quarterback. And that's a big jump from week to week for someone who's really kind of thrown in the deep end. I mean, he was he was a guy whose name you were not supposed to think of for an Indiana fan this year. He was... You know, coming in, he would have been the fourth or fifth string. He was the future, is what he, he was. He was the future. Yeah. He was. He the was, future is the present now. He was gonna redshirt this year. That was his the entire point mm-hmm. of him being here right. was to redshirt. Yeah. And obviously, you lose Dexter Williams over the offseason. You lose Michael Penix against Penn State. Jack Tuttle goes down against Ohio State on the first drive of the game, and all of a sudden, he's he's the only guy you've got. So uh, after the Ohio State game, Tom Allen talked about. How he, they don't they didn't want him to go through too complicated reads. They didn't feel comfortable, and a lot of that starts with the offensive line, who had not provided him a lot of support, had kind of led up to pressure against the Ohio State's pass rush. But against Maryland, he had a little bit more of that protection, so he could go through his reads a little bit more. And he also he used his dual threat, uh, his his legs pretty much to kind of expand the game a little bit more. It looked like he, it was not going too fast for him, which is a really big thing for a freshman quarterback. And right there's there's something to be excited about if you're an Indiana fan knowing that he is the future of this team because my, my headline for this week was it turned into an adequate offensive performance, which is not something we've had all year. Shocking. I know. It's, it should not be surprising, right. but it, oh, was, yeah. it, was, it was not great. Um, the defensive performance obviously was worse. That's the highest scoring game they've had since Idaho. And that was my headline was that the offense somehow outperformed the defense? Somehow, which Question is wrong, mark. but it's, it's because McCulley was good. Uh, that's, he was he, good. He wasn't Partic- great. He wasn't anything incredible, but he was good. He was a quarterback you're fine with, given the situation. Mm-hmm. And particularly for a guy who hasn't played a snap of college football in his life. I mean, the last time he was playing, he was playing against Warren Central or Carmel or, you know, pick, pick your favorite Mick team in Central Indiana. Um, he was playing high school football the last time he played, you know, actual snaps. And, and now he gets thrust into the Big Ten. And, you know, after basically a game and a half of football... He was good. He was, you know, about everything you could ask for. I think he certainly exceeded my expectations. I think he's a guy, if you're an Indiana fan, if you're this team, if you're this program, you have to be confident in going forward. I think you, you know, you look at him and you know that there are a lot of question marks about this offense this year, next year, two, two, three years down the line even. We don't know what things are going to look like even this coming week. Um, But I think you know that he's a part of your future if you're this team. And I think that goes hand in hand with, you know, one of the big recruits in this current class. And that's one thing that I'm hesitant with when, when, you know, people make some hasty generalizations about what this program is going to look like the next couple of years because they're forgetting this current recruiting class for Tom Allen is excellent. This 2022 class, it's going to be his best ever. One of the best 
Indiana's ever had. I think in the recruiting era, in the rankings era, in the 24-7 era, it's his best ever. Oh, yeah, they have some of the best recruits they've ever gotten. Uh-huh. I mean, some guys that are on that, the top 10 of all time. And um, one, one guy I was going to mention, Omar Cooper, mm-hmm. who was his high school teammate, uh, really an electric connection in, uh, in 6A football in Indiana, two of the best players in the state. Bringing those guys to Bloomington together, I think McCauley is your quarterback of the future. There's your wide receiver number one of the future, and that's an established connection. They have chemistry. I know it sounds kind of crazy to, to project going forward, but I don't think Indiana fans want to hear about the present a whole lot more, right, mm-hmm. because the present is bleak. The future is exciting, I think, with those two in your offense, assuming you know a lot of the schematics can be figured out. And that's one thing I do want to talk about is everybody seems to be talking about how terrible the offensive play calling has been, and, and people have complained a lot about, particularly offensive coordinator Nick Sheridan. What do you guys think the biggest issue on this offense has been? Because I think there are a lot of ways you can take this. You know, honestly, the biggest issue on, on the offense, yeah, you can say what you will about Sheridan. He has had some questionable play calls for sure, but there's only so much you can do with that offensive right. line. I mean, right. it's allowing more pressure than anybody else in the Big Ten East. They're like, the only team in the entire Big Ten that's allowing more pressure is Nebraska, and that team's just a walking disaster. Um, so... That offensive line, you just Nick Sheridan probably can't call the plays he wants to call or plays Indiana would have called last year or even like two years ago because the offensive line just simply isn't up to the challenge. This isn't like the offensive line of days past. Indiana used to pride itself on the offensive line and it mm-hmm. produced. Those those are really who they sent to the NFL that were like the high draft picks. It was always linemen. This is not an Indiana offensive line. Yeah, I, I... I talked about it after the the Iowa game week one. That was my story. Was like, you know, Iowa is a team known for their linemen. I think Sports Center or ESPN, Sports Illustrated, I think it was, put them in like top ten like linemen. You they they did they did a list of every different position of like which universities produce the best position. I think Iowa was like sixth or something. And that first game when you know no one really knew what to expect for the season when everything was fresh and it was just number 17 Indiana, number 18 Iowa, or whatever exactly they were. I may have got that mixed up. I think but you're right. I think you're right. It, it might have been Iowa 17 and Indiana 18. Indiana was a spot higher than them. Were they? Yep. Okay, I believe it. Um, but it was just the, the lines were polar opposites. It felt like every time Iowa, you know, their the defensive line could run through the offense, the offensive line for Iowa dominated the defensive line. It just felt like they were not in the same – they were not. They didn't look like a Big Ten school. And when you need, no, you, it looked like a MAC team. It really, they, and you, you need an offensive <laughs> line in the Big Ten because of the way the game is played. Totally, and, it's such a physical league, and that's that's what you know. Everybody likes to make the jokes. Oh, Big Ten football with the ten to seven scores or whatever. That's the style of football mm-hmm. that wins in this league, unless you're Ohio State and you have superior athletes at every position. On the yeah, field. and Indiana has not been able to do that. And they not switched, a whole lot of boat races in this conference. No, they did switch up the offensive line a little bit against Maryland. Zach Carpenter started. I think Mike Cadditch did not even travel with the team, although he did get called for a penalty. Which is an interesting. That uh, was funny. I saw that on TV. He, yeah, he, was, he wasn't even there. I think they meant to call it on somebody else. It was a penalty. It wasn't yeah. a missed call or something. It wasn't a phantom call, but at the same time, it was. But I don't know if I, I didn't look at Zach Carpenter's blocking grades. I don't know how well he did, but switching it up, it may be kind of the future. You mentioned Zach Carpenter. It's interesting because he's going to have a bit of homecoming this weekend That's right. in Michigan. But mm-hmm. I can say, Carpenter, he's, he was inserted into the lineup just coming back from an injury. He's had that time to come back. He didn't allow any pressures, any sacks, any hits, any hurries against Maryland. So yeah. he performed 
pretty well. Mm-hmm. I know he was one of the names they were throwing around as a starting center for this year coming I, into I the remember. season. Yeah, I and kind of assumed he would be a starter. Coming I in. honestly, I kind of forgot about he, his he, name. By the way, he he started at Michigan last season. Yeah, so I don't know what they. I, I don't know what the, the decision-making process for that was, obviously, but I found it interesting that he just kind of – he wasn't getting a whole lot of playing time. I didn't see his name thrown around that much. And if he played well against Maryland, he might get another shot this week against Michigan and is in the big house right. at home. Yeah. And I'd like to add in on that. So we did talk, just talk about Tom Allen's recruiting record. He's about to bring in, like, one of the best classes in school history. Where Tom Allen has kind of faltered is the line. I mean – Yes, Allen's been yeah, around long enough. This is an Allen offensive line, and it has what? Like, it's had to start three transfers now? You should never start three transfers as a Big Ten program. That's kind of a failure in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And really, the only big prospect coming in in, the, in this offensive line class, I think they've got you know, Bray Lynch out of the state of Texas, who's playing for Westlake, which is you know, one of the top programs in Texas. But, I mean, the, the other one's what? Demon Moore, and he's a fringe four-star. The other guy's a three-star. Um you know, they are recruiting some four stars and, and very high three stars at a lot of positions on the offense. You know, quarterback Donovan McCulley's a three star or a four star, excuse me. They've got receivers, you know, plenty of these guys. The offensive line is one place they've really, really, really lacked in recruiting where they're, you know, maybe they're competing. You're, they're looking like the Indiana of old on the recruiting trail instead of competing against guys with plenty of power five offers. They're going for guys who, who maybe have more, you know, lower P5 offers and maybe G5 looks at best. And there is a chance that Indiana kind of switches up their their, their look on the coaching staff. Um, if they go for a new offensive line coach, what they might do next year is try to bring in a few transfers to kind of make it his own his own offensive line, um, similar to what Mel Tucker has done at Michigan State to kind of make that more of his own team right. a lot quickly with his roster. I mean, Kenneth Walker the third might be the Heisman favorite right now, and he was a, a transfer from Wake Forest. So they might do something like that similar with the offensive line. And it's kind of worked for the defense. I mean, Ryder Anderson, Weston Kramer have looked really good. Uh, Jaron Handy's made some pretty good plays. Those guys are all transfers on the defensive end. So they could go for some some graduate student offensive lineman transfers to kind of bolster this lineup a lot quicker than if they try to go the natural way through recruits. Yeah, and another transfer who's, I think, trying his best, but really to no avail. It's not his fault. It's Stephen Carr. He is been, he's, he's had to shoulder a large load. I can't. I can't say I blame him. If his he had a, he had a pretty good game against Maryland. He had a gigantic run, sixty plus yards, touchdown. Best he's looked all season. Incredible, I, incredible play. I do believe in my heart of hearts that if Carr had a more competent, just a better offensive line, he like if Carr was on most other teams in this conference, he would be putting up much better numbers. Because Carr is, you could just tell from the way he plays. This is a pretty good running back, but his offensive line is just failing him. It's just. It hurts to see them bring in this really high-caliber transfer just for the offensive line to kind of just let it let the whole thing down. It should be mentioned that Indiana's offensive line coach is also the run game coordinator. Yeah, this is a player. Stephen Carr is a guy who I think has gotten the short end of the stick his entire career. Number one with injuries. Number two at USC. You know, he goes in and USC's got a proud tradition of running backs. The minute he shows up on campus, they completely change their offensive system and they're an air raid team running you know Texas Tech stuff and. You know, he's, he's had all these injuries year after year, and now he is the only scholarship running back on the roster. He has to shoulder way too big of a load in an offense that can't protect for him. I think he's a very talented player, but he, he's gotten the short end of the stick, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I, I Luke mentioned you can just look at the way he plays, and, and Davion Irvin, Poindexter, Chris Childers have been fine in the backup, but mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to okay. be at the same level. Stephen Carr, like, you watch him take the ball and go to run, and he he's patient. He kind of waits for 
something to open up. It doesn't have, happen very often. And usually what he does is just kind of plows in the line and pick, tries to pick up three, four yards. And honestly, if you pick up three, four yards every run, that's pretty good. You do that three mm-hmm. times in a drive, and you're going to get a first down every time. Mm-hmm. Um, the offensive line, like, he would be breaking a lot more long runs if the offensive line was better. But he, he still does a really good job of kind of doing what he's asked. You know, a first down, run up the middle. Not a great play call, but he picks up some yards. He makes it easier to get a first down. He kind of breaks down that drive a little bit. And we just haven't, haven't been able to see him get the chance to really stick behind the line and burst something open and find a big hole and go, you know, I mean, we saw this weekend, 66 yards. That was something that... Yeah, he hit a home run, and he, he has he's just not been able to do that, and I don't think it's his fault. No, not at all. I really think, I think like you guys said, there is a, a good chance he would have been having a monster year if this line was able to really protect for him. Even a lick. Like, there's just nothing for him. He's He is, I think, trying his best in a system that's broken. And it's not his fault that it's broken. I don't think he transferred here under the assumption that he would be playing with this kind of offensive line because, let's be frank, who would? But that's the cards he's been dealt in his final season of college football. And, uh, and you can't help but feel like if things were a little different, he'd be getting a little more hype and he would be having a couple more of those home run plays because he has the potential to do that like we saw that big run against Maryland, but just hasn't happened for him, unfortunately, you know, for his sake. All right, and to look forward a bit ahead to Michigan, just while we stay on the topic of the offensive right, line, yeah. Aiden Hutchinson, that's a first-round NFL prospect. He's going to come screaming around the edge in the way that no Maryland defender was going to do to McCulley. So that's something that's a factor. Like, McCulley didn't face too much pressure against Maryland. That is going to be a different story when he goes and plays in the big house. Well, Indiana, the rest of the season, I mean, look, looking at the rest of the season for this team, well, you get Aiden Hutchinson this week. That's tough. Next week, you get, well, you get Rutgers next week, which I don't I don't think is quite as tough. But the weeks after, you get Boye Mafe at Minnesota, who's an elite defensive lineman, and then you get George Karloftis at Purdue. That's brutal for this offensive line. That, if you're an Indiana fan, I think should terrify you because those guys... You, know, you, you kind of hope for Donovan McCulley's sake that he isn't, you know, get hurt like the other quarterbacks. You know, you, you knock on wood if you're, you're a fan of this team, but he's going to be under a lot of pressure when he's going up against elite potential NFL top 10 first-round picks like those three. What's the worst scenario for the rest of the season? Is it a home loss to Rutgers? I think the worst scenario, I don't think it's about wins and losses anymore. The worst scenario in my mind is that uh, somebody like McCulley gets hurt. I, not even just hurt, but in, in something that like, it holds them out for a while. Or even one of the other quarterbacks comes out, comes back, gets hurt again for long That's term. That's it. Yeah, another, I think, long-term injury. You, I think short-term, I hate to say this, but for this team, you almost just want to wave the white flag and say, all right, we tried, we failed. Especially after this week, if you don't go bowling, mm-hmm. um, you can almost say this season was just a failure and write it off yeah. and say move on to next year, look forward. And you don't want to mess up next year is the thing at this point. You don't want to do something that's going to hurt this team going forward. You don't want to, you know, you obviously never want to sustain injuries. But at this point in the season when the games, assuming if they lose this week, which I would be, you know, floored if they won. Once this team is no longer bowl eligible, you have to think at a certain point, risking injury for any of your guys who you expect to be key contributors next year just might not be worth it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you go into the big house and you upset Michigan, then things are a little bit different, and you might look at trying to still get that bowl eligible. They're still bowl eligible. They just have to enforce they their games shot. to do it. A very, <laughs> Strange, a very outside things, shot. Stranger yes. things have happened, right? Yeah, but, but. If, if if they lose this weekend <laughs> in Michigan, if you're eliminated, then I say your focus is on um, 
hoping you get a five and six Purdue in the bucket week and you get to spoil their bowl eligibility. That's about the best you can do, right? Is, yeah. is make your, your rival's life hell. Yeah, I know like <laughs> a lot of people, maybe just around the newsroom and when we're talking about it and even some other people who have asked me about it, kind of asked about Tom Allen's job security. And I really don't think you can you can hold this. I mean, you could hold this year against him, but you can't fire him for this. He's not on the hot no, seat. No, not for any, none of that. I mean, he just got the gigantic extension. Yeah. he's Firing he's, him, number one, even if it were a smart decision, which it, it's not, um, do you know how much money that would cost? Oh, it would cost a ton. Plus, a an impossible amount of money. Like, probably plus, triple like, Archie Miller. <laughs> Archie Miller is one thing someone wanted to pay for that. Uh-huh. I don't think anyone's going to want to pay for Nobody's Tom Allen gonna to get pay fired. For this. At Indiana football season, it's like 2020, do not grow on trees. No. That's a fact. That I was mean, an unheard of success. And, you know, honestly, even at, 2019 was a pretty, it wasn't you, unheard of. But 4 is awesome for this team. Yeah. When you look at the history of Indiana football, historic highs are almost always followed by historic lows. The team always follow, finds its way back to the basement no matter what. And I think if you're Indiana football, you have to, if you want to escape that, you know, cycle, right now it looks like they're fall, they could be falling back into it. You have to have a contingency plan with Allen. You have to be like, we're going to escape this. We're going to be good. We and can't it let this happen. with recruiting. It starts and ends, I think, with recruiting. And he's recruiting really well. Is that recruiting going to stay the same as the team, you know, loses a lot of football games as they have this year? Right now, they haven't lost any commitments in the 22 class, you know, with the team being 2-6. and six. Mm-hmm. And from what I saw from the recruits I saw in person at the Ohio State game, even when the team was down by 50, looked like they were getting along and having a good time. As best as I could tell, I was down in the field. I could see them. Yeah, this, uh, this year you hope is an outlier. Tom mm-hmm. Allen is still recruiting well. They've got Charlton Warren, who's, who's, who was picked by Tom Allen because of his recruiting status. He's a guy that is incredibly good at recruiting players. He's got that Georgia connection. Tom Allen's got his Florida pipeline. They're reaching into the South, and they're picking good players. They've gotten a few from Texas, from That's powerhouse schools in Texas. Uh-huh. So, obviously, after next year, you, you're going to reevaluate it. You're going to have a little bit more more of, you know, the year is going to be a different season. You're starting from scratch. You, I'm, I'm assuming Penix is still in the center and is not the guy he was this year. I'm, I'm assuming he's back to more the normal Michael Penix because you can't say this year was what Michael Penix is. This is definitely no. an outlier. Something was just not right with him all season. But what if it's not an outlier? What if it's just who well, he is? And it's just not fixable. That's an impossibility, too. I, and we I don't was, know until we see it. That's the thing. We I was going to pose this question earlier, and I'll, we'll throw it over to you to answer it first, Luke. But what does the quarterback situation look like next year? Because you've got uh, – we'll throw out the four names. You've got Penix, McCauley, Tuttle, Dexter Williams. Who transfers? Who stays? Who's your starter? I think the Indy Star wrote a column about if uh, whether McCauley is your future not only in the next few years but the rest of the season and next year, too. Does he take that job from Michael Penix? I mean, I don't necessarily think McCulley would beat out Michael Penix just because Penix is Penix. But um, just looking at the roster, I'm not sure exactly the mindset of Dexter Williams. It's not a guy we've seen or heard from a ton just because, like, will he be content being a backup? Because, I mean, some players are content having that role. Does he want to move on? Um, But then you look at Penix and Tuttle. Both these guys have eligibility left. Will they be here? I mean, if... McCauley continues, if McCauley like really, really shines over the over the end of the season, that's when people should start asking questions like, hey, this looks like a dude who you can develop, and especially with Nick Sheridan, who of course prior to this season was known for working pretty well with quarterbacks at Tennessee and now here. I mean, and you saw it in the Maryland game. Sheridan was down on the sideline. He wasn't in the press box like he usually is. He was down the sideline looking McCauley in the eye, asking him, what's up? 
what are you seeing? Okay, you did this. Here's how you could have done better. That personal connection. And it definitely benefited McCauley because, I mean, he had, what, no interceptions, and he threw two touchdowns to nearly win the game for Indiana? I mean, you can't overlook that. No, you can't. I mean, I think that that connection <laughs> down on the sideline for a young quarterback matters a lot. Um, and let's say, though, that they go on and they rattle off a couple wins. Maybe they, they upset one of Purdue, Minnesota, or, or Michigan, and then maybe they win the Rutgers game. Well, obviously that record isn't impressive. That's some good forward momentum. If you ask me, I think that's probably your best case scenario looking forward is that you generate some momentum going to next year and you answer questions. And I think quarterback is a huge question because we don't know what Tuttle's going to look like after these injuries. We really don't know what Penix is going to look like after his injuries. Dexter Williams has never played a snap. And, well, they've got another recruit coming in again out of the state of Texas. Um, but you can't think they would choose to start a true freshman. They aren't choosing to start a true freshman right now. This is out of need. If McCulley really does shine, I don't know if I see a world where they just stop that momentum and stop his progress and say, we're going to save you for two years from now when we don't know what your development's going to look like. Because if he continues to play as well as he has or even improves, I, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. He is a really, really talented prospect, the kind that don't usually go to Indiana, the kind that I think it's impressive that Tom Allen got. You know, They, they were recruiting against Ole Miss and against Iowa for this guy. When you get a an electrifying quarterback prospect over Ole Miss and that offense, that's an impressive recruiting win, especially, you know, given what we've seen from this Indiana offense this year. I can't imagine how different the pitch was from the pitch at Ole Miss. But having a player like this on your team, uh, that's special for Indiana. And in my mind, this is something that they have to take advantage of right now because quarterbacks like this, again, they don't come here that often. This isn't a thing that just happens every year. This isn't Ohio State where, you know, they can replace one five-star with another five-star with another five-star with another five-star. Getting a really good in-state four-star quarterback like this to come to Indiana and then to show up and play as well as he did in his first ever start, that seems like sp something special. And that really seems like if you can generate anything positive from this season, that seems like about the most positive thing you can figure out, right? Yeah, and I mean, he's he's a true freshman, too, so he's still got a lot of time to develop. Totally. We, we've seen totally. so far that he, like, still has a lot of things he can develop. But, like, the, the, the worry for me is whether or not he kind of follows that Michael Penix path that he plays really well and then just gets injured, and then he plays really well and then gets injured, no, and all in, of a sudden Indiana someone else comes and, in. And people who cover the team, I think, are, are scarred for life with quarterback injuries. You can never, you know, it feels like one is always going to creep up given how the last, you know, four years have gone. Yeah. But who knows? I mean, it doesn't seem like he has much of an injury history at this point. Um, he certainly hasn't had any since the time he's been on campus. But I, I do agree with you, though. Quarterback's a question, and it's a question I think that if we get anything answered by the end of the season, that seems like one that we might be able to at least have a little more information to potentially answer in the offseason, right? Absolutely. I mean, when it comes to the offseason, we're going to know a bit more just about what the quarterback rooms could look like because we're just going to find out, not necessarily directly, but if someone does answer the, enter the transfer portal, it could be anybody. But if one person does, like, let's say it it's Tuttle, I mean, that does tell us, okay, he was the first person to enter. Is somebody else going to enter? I mean, Dexter Williams wasn't the first, even though he was the third string coming into the season injured. If he's if he is not the first one to enter the transfer portal, I think that'll be a sign that he might be leaning more towards staying. Well, also with uh, with Dexter Williams, I know 
he was a guy they considered like switching positions and they still might be considering that because they've talked about how athletic he is and how he's kind of has the ability to kind of play anywhere on the field whether you make him a receiver or a cornerback or whatever uh something similar to kind of obviously reese taylor remains at the transition really before he got here they've said similar things about mccauley too i mean before he was the actual starting quarterback for this team they said we want to try and use him in like non-traditional roles and in that ohio state game before tuttle got hurt they used him in like some running sets Definitely some some different looks for him. I agree. They're not afraid to switch guys' positions up. Yeah, I mean, I think I think McCauley's more of your quarterback. He's a much agreed, higher agreed, rated, rated agreed, prospect. Agreed. Totally. But um, there is a chance. I think Dexter Williams, like, I, I, I said this on the podcast last year. I don't think we'll ever see him take a snap at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think the closest he got the was when he was, was, left the field was, and then came we, back was on. was when we thought at the Wisconsin game last year that he was going to come in, and then they cut to commercial and Tuttle was back. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that was the closest he got. That's he, a, <laughs> he's either going to transfer out or he's going to – play a different position here at IU. I, I would assume he's going to transfer out. I just don't think there's a, mm-hmm. a spot for him, and I think he's going to go try to play quarterback somewhere else. Yeah. But anyway, if we're going to learn something about the quarterback position and something about Donovan McCauley, I think we can learn a lot this week against a really good Michigan defense. I want to talk a little bit about this game. Uh, obviously, I think for Indiana fans, a lot of them are, are kind of done with this season. And can you blame them, right? After how it's gone, I can't blame them in the slightest. But I think we have to talk about this game. 7.30 kick. Uh, Fox will be the network. Another night game for this team, which I know last season you heard all the Indiana fans complaining about not getting enough respect. Well, now they're getting the respect in a season where they're I think it's their opponents getting the respect. This is, what, the fifth night game they played this year? They played Western Kentucky... Idaho, Ohio State, Penn State, and now Michigan. Yeah, it and every time like I see it, I'm like, I just of, want to go to sleep. It's a lot of the yeah, <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of the other team maybe getting their respect, but you know what? Everybody said, oh, we need more national spotlight, this and that. Um, well, now you have your national spotlight, and the team has responded with, I mean, the the most disappointing season you could have asked for at this point, right? So, um, but Michigan's the opponent this week. It's in the big house. You guys are going to be there. I won't be there. I am going to be in my nice, warm apartment here in Bloomington with a TV and a warm cup of apple cider. Yeah. So you would have to be on the field as our social media guy. Uh, we I would get to be, be freezing. Oh, yeah. We get to be in the press <laughs> box at least, so we won't be too much colder either. But I am look, really looking forward to this game just because I have never been to the big house. This is kind of a That's thing. That's going to be awesome, man. Just an experience that I just really wanted to do um, since I actually visited Michigan as a prospective student back in my senior year of high school. But... I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I know this is not the game uh, Indiana fans wanted, or really, as a beat reporter, I wanted to be covering. Not the season we want, people were expecting, but mm-hmm. it's going to be a fun game. Indiana has kind of, honestly, at this point, they can go out and just try to do something wild. They have yeah, kind of a, a longer leash they're, now because they have nothing money. to lose. House yeah. money, yeah. I mean, obviously, they're still trying to stay bowl eligible, but you're playing Michigan. You, you've got to switch up something if you're going to beat Michigan. You're not going to just be able to stick uh-huh. to your You can't beat them with season. pure talent and pure coaching. That, that's impossible. Something, something's got to, you know, there needs to be an X factor. And I don't know what that X factor is going to be because I don't know if they can win. Elsie, I know you've got some thoughts on this, but you've also got some history with the Michigan Wolverines. Isn't that right? Yeah, um, my mother actually went to Michigan. That's right. And uh, I, um, it was kind of fun to get her, like, angry texts after the Michigan game last season. But, uh, yeah, I've always wanted to go to the big house. She always talked about it. And we were never able to, so it's going to be fun to see it for the first time. But... One thing I want to mention is this isn't just Michigan. This is angry Michigan because um, <laughs> I believe I heard I heard reporting that um, Michigan had only their third of the season player-led meeting after the loss to Michigan State. This is a Wolverines team that I a thousand percent believe 
knew in their hearts that they were going to beat Michigan State and reclaim Paul Bunyan. Because, I mean, this is a team that looked really good. And they were leading Michigan State. Yes, they were for most of that game. That did not happen. They did not get Paul Bunyan back. No, they did not because Mr. Kenneth Walker had other plans. And Five touchdowns worth of them. I do not think it affects Jim Harbaugh's job status. Agreed. But Agreed. I think, by the way, I expected Michigan to win maybe six or seven games this season. The coaching job Harbaugh has done this season has been remarkable because this is probably his least talented team. It felt like the cupboard was bare after last year. Things looked bleak, and he's absolutely turned it around. Um, and they've got some real momentum this season and on the recruiting trail. He's, he's turned it around. It's been an impressive coaching job by Harbaugh this season. Mich- Michigan certainly is looking up, even in spite of the loss. They're ranked 7th in the playoff poll right now, a spot ahead of Oklahoma, who's undefeated, uh, which is just kind of funny. But yeah, this is still a really, really good Michigan team, and obviously playing in that building is really tough. That's one of the toughest venues in college football. It's the big house. It's Michigan. It kind of goes without saying, right? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's Michigan. Uh, And I I agree with Luke. I think they were going to be a team that kind of came in undefeated after the Michigan State game. I did not expect Michigan State to play so well. I was not impressed with them when they played Indiana. But the thing was, they didn't stop Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, I said that before. you got to stop Kenneth Walker if you're going to win a game against Michigan State. That's been this, They haven't lost, obviously, but the secret to any close game has been stopping him. Indiana was close. Nebraska was close. And Michigan didn't do that. I also, mm-hmm. Michigan's going to be mad because um, they had this 24-game winning streak over Indiana that was snapped last year. Um, this is the first time fans have been back since that. You gotta um, well, you gotta wonder if Michigan can finally snap the streak against Indiana. The, their one game yeah, losing wonder, streak. You, you gotta wonder if they can finally exercise those demons and snap the streak. Yeah, um, I, I think this might be it. Might be a team that um, sees in Indiana their their little brother. They can kind of beat up on a little bit this yeah, week. because because so. for the last fifty years they have been. I mean, if you look back at the twenty nineteen game, I mean, when they interviewed. Uh, Shea Patterson the week before the the week before the Indiana game he was just talking about Ohio State he was not like focused on Indiana at yeah, all that was that made me think Indiana was going to catch them off guard I absolutely thought they were going to win that game and they've got Penn State the week after Indiana so this is it's possibly a trap game but I don't know if Michigan's going to be overlooking Indiana this year with this offense I don't know if anything can really be a true trap Indiana has been known for the past few years with the exception of 2019 uh, for playing Michigan kind of close being um, the ultimate tease and never being able to pull it off Yes, um, I do not necessarily think that's going to be the case because all those times that they played Indiana close, Indiana had a pretty decent offensive line. Um, That is not the case this season. I feel like Michigan's defense as a whole, especially that defensive line, is just going to be too tough of a challenge. Totally, and with the Indiana offensive line in particular, it seems a little insurmountable. All right, so score predictions. First thing, I'm going to just be quick. 31-14, 31-14, Michigan's my pick. Uh, I think I think some of the Indiana points are, are late, too. Uh, I, I don't see this being particularly competitive. Uh, maybe you see some good things. There are some things you can take away. Maybe some freshmen play. Maybe some freshmen look good. Maybe McCauley looks good. It's entirely possible he plays well, and they still lose by a lot. So, well, I mean, Michigan Michigan by a lot's my pick. That, that was the theme last year. McCauley plays well, the team still loses. I'm really hoping the defense kind of steps it up a little bit more. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to kind of go off with score to back that i think the game is kind of going to get at the end is going to be kind of over i'll say 28 10 just because i have a little more faith in the defense uh kind of getting back to regaining its form a little bit mm-hmm. i think it might be a bit higher scoring than that because if you know jim harbaugh when he is mad and oh he is mad he does like to pile on to a team that he knows he can pile <laughs> on to 
Um, especially even at the end of the game. I expect it to be not necessarily as close in the third quarter, but when um, the hopes are kind of dashed, I expect Harbaugh to still like go for those points. So I expect it to be a bit more in the realm of 42-17. Please don't roast me for that, but that's just the Harbaugh way. So basically what you're saying is bet the over. Yes. <laughs> Found the over, folks. Quote, quote Luke on that. Take, uh, take it up with him afterwards. That'll do it for our show this week, though. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition. We always appreciate it. You can find all of your Indiana football coverage over at IDSnews.com. Uh, plenty of exciting stuff this week. Should be a big game, exciting game, even if you know the season is a little out of hand. There's still some things we can learn about this team and still a lot of important stuff to go. Program's still building. So, Evan, where can the people find you? Yeah, uh, I think I'll be live tweeting the game this week. Luke will be doing the live updates on IDSnews.com. That's right. As he gives a thumbs down um, if this is the Roman Coliseum, I guess. Um, Yeah, so I'll be doing live (laughs) tweets. You can... (laughs) You can you can find me on Twitter at Evan Gerke, uh same way as you spell my name E V A N G E R I K E and then, yes I do have a check mark. He does. I'm gonna brag about him for him because uh, he doesn't like to brag about it because he's just that kind of guy. Mr. L C Norton, where can the people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at by L C Norton. I'm sure I will tweet a few times here and there during the game, but you can also find me at the live blog at idsnews.com, which I will be .com, updating .com, .com. throughout the game. IDSnews.com. Remember that. And that's where you can find this podcast and all your other podcasts. Plenty of good content coming here from the sports desk and from all the other facets of the Indiana Daily Student. Anything else from you guys before we wrap up? Uh, basketball season is coming up. Basketball so season is coming up. Soon you'll get to see Mike Woodson and maybe your faith will be dashed in a different sport. And you'll see Terry Morin as well in that women's team. And that's of a course. team that I don't think will dash your hopes. Oh, no. That team I, is good. Indiana is a women's basketball school. Unless they're a swimming school. Or a men's soccer school. Eh, men's, eh, after this season. Eh, the tournament's coming up. That's true. They're a talented team. We'll see what happens you there. You can a find lot. coverage of all these sports at IDSnews.com. Yes, you can. Lots to be excited about if you're an Indiana fan uh, across all 24 sports at the school. We've got coverage of all those sports. So thank you for joining us again, and we will see you next time. Bye.